Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your wonderful kindness, your mercy, your love. We appreciate you. And we pray, Lord, that as we embark on this brand new series, this exciting, illuminating, and challenging series that you would open up our eyes to who you are, to all of your amazingness. We pray, Lord, that you would remove the scales from our eyes that we might be able to see you uh, for who you are and your loving kindness and your tender mercy towards us and your ultimate purpose for us on this earth and eternally. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. As I was praying, uh, it was probably earlier this week, uh, maybe beginning of last week, I had been entertaining this thought of, understanding God, and entitled this series, Unknowing God. Unknowing God. And when you think about that phrase, it's a little like, wait, wait what do you mean? We're supposed to know God, right? Isn't the whole idea to know God? The whole idea is to understand and apprehend and all that. But I, I like to present something to us that's going to kind of stretch you a little bit. And in this series, it's my prayer that we challenge the concept of God that we've been so sure about, in a sense, that um, there are some things about God and things about church and things about our own ideas and things about things that we have created that can kind of make God not seen in the way that he's supposed to be seen. So the idea of this series is really the God we've created versus the God of creation. Okay, This is what we're talking about in this series. The God of creation versus the God we've created. So you ask, okay, well, what is the God that we've created? Well, we all have a conception of God. We all have grown up with some sense of understanding or some sense of relatability to God. Um, and what's happened to us a lot of times is if you're in a church setting, if you grew up in a family that was religious in any way, you've heard some things that as you get older and get closer to God, you realize uh, the Bible don't say that. I'll give you an example. Cleanliness is close to godliness. That's not a scripture. The idea and the principle, yeah, we can relate that. We can relate to that. But um, there's no Bible's context, there's no scripture that says that cleanliness is close to godliness. And if we think about the things that we might have heard, the opinions and ideas that we might have heard through the years, and now we are challenged to live this life, challenged to walk this thing out, it's imperative that we have a proper understanding uh, and a true understanding of who God really is, his genuine purpose for our lives, so that we can end up living this thing in a genuine way, with security and confidence in our walk. So I said, you know what? By the grace of the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about unknowing God. Because in an unknowing of God, that's where you get to know him. There's this unfamiliarity with God that gives us this peace 
in that we don't know everything about God. We don't know everything about his thoughts. But at the same time, in order for to get there, we have to first understand and be honest about the fact that mm, I know God too much. My idea of God may be causing me to not truly understand God after all. And at the end of the series, it's, it's my prayer that we come into a more passionate understanding of our need for God. Because when we understand our need for God, then we will be all God wants us to be. We'll have more peace. We'll be less anxious. We'll be less discouraged in our life because we'll realize we have God's trueness in view. Okay, so I wanted to go to Acts chapter 17 today, and this is just going to be an introduction today, and then we'll go ahead and go down through um, this series uh, each week, taking a different piece of this chapter. But we will mainly focus on um, Acts chapter 17 today. So Acts chapter 17, verse 16, and I'll read, I'll probably go to the end. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picking up? Others said. He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I walk along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we should not think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now... He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speaking about this resurrection of the dead, some of them laughed in contempt. But others said, 
We want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. Just to give us a little context here about what's been going on here. So Paul and Silas have been traveling together and they've been visiting prominent cities in the area, basically spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, letting people know that the Messiah has already come. They're going to these places that are very philosophical in their thinking. They're going to places that are uh, industry leading places, you know, metropolis, the trade and the booming, bustling places where a lot of art, a lot of ideas, a lot of culture is mixing together. And there's also with that comes a lot of these traditions and, and religions and, and frames of references and cultural thoughts. And God calls Paul, who is a smart man himself, who we all know the story about him getting knocked off of his horse and becoming blinded on the road to Damascus. And now God challenging him and Christ meeting him and challenging him to do what he was purposed to do and now go to minister to the Gentiles. It's interesting to see that Paul's journey has led to our interpretation of what it means to be saved today. So our understanding of the work of Christ and the understanding of the function of the church, the understanding of the spiritual gifts, the understanding of all these things that we attribute to a Christian life have come from this man named Paul. Paul and Silas are on missionary journeys together. And in this particular time, they're coming to the Jewish synagogues and on their way to the Jewish synagogues, they are paying attention to the culture that's around them. They're paying attention to the idols and they're paying attention to all the things that are on the way to the synagogue. And, and I, think, I think that's a good way to kind of start with this whole idea uh, because on your way to the synagogue, on your way to church, on your way to God, there's a lot of other things that are trying to vie for your worship, for your attention. Now, we that know history or have had history classes in the past can understand certain cultures and certain time periods have really helped to create a level of philosophical thought. Like when you think about Greece, you know, you think about Rome, you think about those places and, and the eras where they were most prominent, a lot of philosophical thought about spirituality, about humanity, about God, about all of these ideas have come to light. And we even to this day are giving credence to some of these philosophical um, ways of thinking. However, the danger about being extremely philosophical is when you think your thoughts are premier and you think that your thoughts are so profound, it's very easy to get caught up in yourself and to become your own God. It's very easy to worship your own thoughts and your own ideas of how things are and how things go and ultimately put yourself on a pedestal that is higher than the one who created you. Like, like th th sometimes there are things that we understand that we have to humble ourselves and truly admit that we don't really. I've worked in a hospital setting for quite some time, and um, I think that one of the most sobering um, environments to work in is a hospital. Because you have a building full of people with a whole lot of credentials. You have a people full of experience and saving people's lives and these surgical interventions and this and that and these machines and this all that, but yet people still die. And yet we can't say that we know fully. Doctors have to say that, that they practice. 
So there's a level of humility with knowledge and understanding and even high knowledge and high understanding that God is calling us to admit in our humanity. So in this particular text, we find Paul and Silas going throughout these places that are very intellectual. They're places that, you know, they, 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 they have it all together. They're prominent. They got the money. They got the culture. They, 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 they have everything. This is a desired, these are desired locations. And what's happening in the church amongst the Jews and the Gentiles is there's this wrestling that's going on with trying to understand who the true God really is. And whether we want to admit it or not, all of us are born with this innate desire to understand the truth about God. All of us are born with this fixation, whether we, whether it's loud or not. We know this is true because when tragedy comes, prayer is the first thing that comes to mind a lot of times, you know, or either prayer or blaming God or saying that there is no God. The word God is prominent, though it may not be fully understood. So they are in Athens and Paul is walking through and the Bible says that he's deeply troubled by all of the idols that he saw everywhere in the city. And I think this is a moment where we have to kind of look at our own life and assess how many idols we might personally have in our own lives that we have erected. I think it's important for us, in order to get the benefit of what God wants to speak to us in this series, that we open up our understanding and even ask God to reveal, Lord, let me see the idols that are everywhere in my life that are keeping me from knowing you. Keeping me from truly understanding you. See, and this, this is the danger, right? It's very easy for us to have a form of godliness. What that means is it's very easy for us to add God to our life, right? It's very easy to mix God into our concept of being a good person or mix God into what it means to be a nice person or to be caring or to be a human being in this world or to love. The mixing of God into our personal theology is what was going on right here to the point where there was so much confusion and so much to worship. So I, I want us to think about that, right? Is it possible to have too much to worship? Too many things that are vying for our attention that we have to give our attention to because we've put it in that place. Rather, God wants to be the preeminent source of our help. And also, he wants to be our resource and our only resource. But he also wants to be the only object of our affection. So the question then becomes, is God worth that much attention? And this is kind of where we kind of get into the whole aspect of unknowing God. Could the God that you've created in your mind not be the God of creation? Could the way you see God, how you see your life, how you see your circumstances, how you even worship him, your desire to worship him. 
uh, the passion that you have for them or the lack thereof, be connected to the fact that maybe you have mixed an idea of God, an idea of Christ, an idea of the Bible with your life, your past experiences, the slogans and cliches that you grew up hearing, the scriptures that you kind of know but don't really, and the popular voice in the world. This is going to be a challenging series to kind of help us to unknow first what we thought we knew. And this is all of us. This is me too. It's humbling yourself to say, you know what, God? I, I, I don't know. But I want to know. And at the same time, I'm okay with what I don't know. Because that leaves room for divine revelation from you. There's a particular verse that I kind of wanted to highlight, and we will focus on this particular verse, 18. And they say, what is this babbler trying to say about all these strange ideas? Like, like what, what, what are these strange ideas that this babbler is saying? Sometimes what we believe and try to articulate sounds like babbling. What, what this really is saying is there are things about God that we will not understand. I'm trying to stretch us today, and I'm trying to get us to think beyond our level of comfort. In that there are, there are things about God that should sound like babbling. <laughs> there are things about the grandeur and amazingness about God that when we're trying to articulate it, we can't accurately get the words out because we need the Holy Spirit to interpret through us for the understanding of the people. Like, that's how big God is. So anytime you have someone or you hear something or, or someone's walking around with a theology that is, I know everything and I've arrived and, and, I, and I know and I've come to this place of, that's, I have a question mark about that because there's a level of humility and there's a level of awe and fear. And when I say fear, I don't mean like, ooh, I mean, there's an awesomeness. Like, it makes you tremble and shudder inside when you think about the grandeur of God. Thinking about God and outer space. Thinking about the movies that we've watched, like Star Trek and the Marvel movies and all of them, where they're our human concept of what could be out there when none of us have been there. And the imagination that we have, like our mind is constantly trying to make sense of an incomprehensible God. But yet, when it comes to the context of living this thing out, we have it all together. How can we? So this is idea of being humble enough to ask questions, to being humble enough to be curious enough to allow God to share something with you that you would have never known otherwise. It's like a child, right? That, that curiosity. As many times my, my, my little one asks me questions that I have to laugh because it's like, where did that question come from? And the depth and the innocence of the question uh, makes me want to do my best to answer it. But the problem is she doesn't have the same frame of reference or ability to understand the words that would, I would need to use to share it with her. So there's this idea of unknowing God that, that I, I, I'm trying to encourage us to embrace. And that you don't know, I don't know, we don't know, everything there is to know about God, and we never will. 
And sometimes us trying to articulate what God is and who he is is going to sound like babbling to people. But that doesn't make it untrue. That doesn't make it irrelevant. So they ask in verse 18, what is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. So now, now let's, let's pause right there, right? Let's pause right there. Um, is God, the God of creation, a foreign God to you? Could it be that the way you're looking at your life, the way you have looked at God, the way you have looked at a con conception of God is foreign to the one true God. Like, how confident are you that you have humbled yourself enough to respect and appreciate not only the path that the creator has created for you, but to also have the comfort in knowing that he's with you. And see, this is, this, this is, this is really important in this climate in this day because there are so many voices right now. There are so many theological contradictions going on right now. So many opinions about global issues that affect us. And religion, tradition, and God has always been a tool of leverage to sway the masses. So it's possible for us to be swayed by what we think God would think and God would say when God himself could be saying the very opposite. The whole idea of this series is to really get us to take a hold of the one true God. Take a hold of the absolutes and that God's purpose is tied in through our relationship with Christ and what that means. So Paul here and Silas are walking in, in, in Athens and you can, you can sense and I hope you can feel the, the, the great um, struggle that they were having or that they were presented with where you have all of these ideas and they're sent with a message that sounds like babbling to draw these people's minds into an understanding of the true God that they have been searching for, that they have not truly grasped because of all the idols that they have put up. Paul in verse 22 says, men of Athens, I notice you are very religious in every way. You know the religious thing to do. You have a concept of what it means to be a good person. Yet, there are many idols that I'm seeing as I'm walking around, many shrines I'm seeing. So let's give an example of possibly some shrines, some idols. Well, some of us, you know, making money is a priority. For some of us, money is an idol to us. The reason why it's an idol is because all, it's all we think about. It's the most important thing to us. For some of us, it's being known. It's notoriety. Some of us, it's, it's our own feelings. Like, we worship our feelings. The pain of our past has caused us to worship who we are. Idol is anything that you worship and that you give most of your attention to. And to think about that, all of us have to be careful that we are not making idols out of things that are going to take the place of our ultimate understanding or apprehension of the one true God. So all of this is connected because God, the God of creation, is ultimately the reason why we're here. And everything in this realm, on this earth, is vying for the knowledge 
of God. Everything in this world is trying to take the seat of God in your own life. So verse 23, Paul says, For as I was walking along and I saw your many shrines, one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. I thought that that was extremely profound. Is it possible that we are worshiping a God that we do not know? To us, is he still unknown? And unknown in the sense of there are important aspects of God's character, of God's love, of how God sees us, his devotion and his care towards us. Are you seeing God as your ultimate picture of God, as God that judges everybody and that's judging the world and that's going to convict everybody to hell? Or do you see a God that's full of love and mercy that will do anything possible to have a relationship with you? What is the primary view and your primary perception of God and the God that you have dedicated your life to or say you have? And it's very easy to get caught up in living that way and not necessarily understanding the freedom that comes with understanding that God was the one who took the first step. And the only reason why we have a relationship with him was because he did it first. We love him because he first loved us. And our definition of love pales in comparison to his. So God loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. Now, do you see God that way? easy to say it. That's, that's what's supposed to, that's, that's a religious thing to do. No, God is love and God loves everybody. What does that mean? When God says it to you and you hear that said, what are you hearing? How are you connecting God's love to the circumstances in your life? How, how, how are we seeing it? Oh, so I'm having a bad time now. So God doesn't love me. Or, or, or I'm struggling right now. It feels like, you know, I'm cursed. Or it feels like I'm going through these things in my life. So that must mean God's affections towards me are not good. And all of these things, I messed up. I, I've sinned. I've done these things. So God doesn't love me. God can never forgive me. God forgave you before you did it. And I see these, these concepts that we want to debunk in this particular series. And the fact that there's a lot of unknowing that we have to do in order to know God. And when we say no God, remember, this aspect of knowing is not knowing at all. But do you know enough that you'll have peace? Like, do you know enough about the one true God that you'll have hope for the future? Do you know enough about the one true God that you will walk in your purpose? That you will understand your perpetual need for God? That's the point that we want to go through in this series. So. They inscribe to an unknown God, and this is the God who you worship without knowing. The God you worship without knowing. And this is the one I'm telling you about. So we're in this series. We're going to attempt to talk about God and hopefully piece together properly who God is, that we might really be able to live for him and serve him in confidence. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your love. We appreciate you. And we thank you, God, for what we have embarked upon in this series. Oh, this is a, a, a weighty series, but a necessary series. 
and a prophetic series to help us to be able to navigate and weather the storms of life that we're dealing with right now. Lord, this is not, this climate that we're in is not anything new to you. For this is happening, this has been happening since you've created our, our wonderful minds and our wonderful intellects. So we, what we pray, Lord, that even in this series, it will cause us to lift up our thoughts to you, lift up our concepts, our traditions, our ideas of who you are and, and what you've done and, and, and your plan for our lives. Help us to submit those to you in this series that we might get to know you anew that we might become unfamiliar with the God that we've created and more familiar with the God of creation. I pray, Lord, that you would saturate us in this series, Lord, with, with your spirit and with the spirit of truth, that we might hear your voice, that we might see who you really are like we've never seen before. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Draw us closer to you in this series. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the Lifehouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.